morning to each of you. It's a privilege to be with you this morning as we worship together, look into God's word. Trust that we can each be encouraged this morning, brought closer to God. End of our Sunday school lesson, glorifying God, and the song that we were singing, just giving glory to God. And I trust uh, we can do that as well as we look into God's word, glorify God and worship him. So the title of the message this morning is Trusting God Through Adversity. And this is a title that was given as an assignment for a Sunday evening service that I had at Lincoln two weeks back. And I'd like to share that uh, with you this morning, Trusting God Through Adversity. I'd like to start with a story. May 29, 2021, seven leaders of the Remnant Fellowship Church in Brentwood, Tennessee, took off from the airport in their Cessna, a little Cessna airplane, and they were bound for West Palm Beach, Florida. And as the plane took off, they were gaining altitude, and the pilot made a climbing right-hand turn as he entered in some clouds. And after the airplane entered the clouds, uh, it started to descend a little bit. And there were some initial instructions given by air traffic control, like they do. You gotta get to this certain altitude and uh, change your direction to this certain heading. And uh, the pilot responded initially. There was some communication there. But eventually, the pilot stopped responding. And there were some erratic changes in direction. And it wasn't long until the plane crashed into a nearby lake and all seven passengers died. And it was a tragic accident that happened. A witness who was fishing nearby said he saw the plane just traveling straight down, come out of the clouds straight down into the water. So what happened to that airplane? As with any airplane crash, there was an investigation that was done. The FAA looking into it. They investigate everything and look into all the different angles that it might have been what, what could have had a factor in this accident. And the, their conclusion was that shortly after taking off, this pilot experienced what was called spatial disorientation. And it made him lose control of, of his airplane, resulted in, in that, losing control and, and crashing nose first into the lake. So spatial disorientation is just a fancy way of saying that what you feel does not line up with reality and you're disoriented. And this happens when pilots enter clouds. They can't see, but they're still feeling things. And sometimes what you feel doesn't line up with what your instruments say. You have an instrument panel in front of you and uh, your sensory input is telling you one thing, but your instruments are saying something different. And you just think the instruments have to be wrong because what you're feeling is so different than what the instruments are saying. And that's what happened to that pilot. He was disoriented because he couldn't see. He was in the clouds and he was operating his controls based on what he was feeling and not what his instruments were saying. That's a picture of failing to trust 
So as I thought about this title, Trusting God Through Adversity, I, I saw a connection with this story and, and, and uh, trusting God. And I think specifically in the title, we see there's, there's an implication almost that trusting God is harder during times of adversity. Would you say that? And if you put it a little bit different way, trusting God is easy when we agree with God and when we can see and we can understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, God is right. I'll go with God on this one because everything lines up. I, I, I'm feeling the same way. But what really puts us to the test is when we can't see and when we don't understand. And it comes down to the question of, am I going to operate my controls based on how I'm feeling or what my instruments say? And you know, the instruments, the, the reference point, the standard that we have is the Word of God. So to start, I want to look at a familiar passage that we've probably all heard before, maybe even memorized, Proverbs 3. Uh, I'd like to read verses 4 through 8. Sorry, 5 through 8. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Familiar verses as, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So a very familiar passage, but I think this passage is really loaded with significance. It's heavy, and I think it's a, pass a verse that we can quote and, and read without really thinking about what it's saying. So what I hear Solomon saying here is, you need to trust your instruments completely. Do not rely on your own feelings, your understanding. Lean not to your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And it's all-encompassing. He says, all your ways, and all your ways acknowledge him. You're going to receive direction. Be not wise in your own eyes. And, and this is the path that will lead to health and to life, like it says in verse 8, health and, and marrow, marrow is the source of your blood, so it's really the source of your life, uh, it's life-giving. This is a path to life and health. But this is so counterintuitive. To not lean or trust on your own understanding, the way that you see things, you gotta be careful. Because that's usually how we make our decisions, based on how we feel, our understanding of things. But there is a reference point that overrides our feelings. That's the word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you think about that idea of trusting. There's so many different applications that you could put to that, that, that idea, whether it's entertainment, our choice of entertainment. How do we you just go by what we feel? Or what does God's word have to say? Finances or forgiveness? integrity, and you can just go on. There's many applications, but specifically we want to look at this, this idea of adversity. How do we trust God in adversity? 
to think a little bit about adversity. I think it's something we've all experienced some of before, maybe some more than others, but it's hardships, difficulties in life. And maybe we've lived through some really difficult situations in life. And we, we know what adversity is. Um, to get started thinking about adversity, I uh, thought of three different categories that we could think about. And it's a very broad subject. There's a lot of different ways that we can face adversity. But breaking it down into three categories, first of all, it's self-inflicted. We can have uh, self-inflicted adversity, thinking of bad decisions that we might make, and then we suffer consequences. A simple example is if we're speeding, we get pulled over, we get a fine, maybe lose our license. Uh, it's a direct result of our own decision. And I think we've all been there. Maybe we can remember a time where we made a bad decision and we suffered for it. Now the suffering that comes from that is still very real, something we have to, to work through, but it's expected and it, it's deserved. First Peter 4.15, he says, don't let, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, so forth. Peter says, don't, don't let your own bad decisions be the cause of your sufferings. That's a, a self-inflicted suffering. Another category is suffering as Christians, or suffering for doing what's right. And you look at the bigger context of 1 Peter, that's, that's what he's talking about. Suffering for Christ. And maybe this category is something that we maybe haven't faced a lot of yet. Um, but uh, I, I read Voice of the Martyrs occasionally, get their publication. And you read through that and you can see stories of current day Christians who are facing adversity because of their identity with uh, uh, Christ for being a Christian. Whenever I read those, I'm humbled and inspired by their testimony. That's a um, category of suffering, suffering as Christians. And lastly, uh, another category is the heartaches of life. And I think we can all identify with this as well. It's not for being a Christian, and it's not for mistakes that we've made, but simply the heartaches of life that come. Things that happen that bring grief. Think of death of loved ones, or maybe sickness that we have to battle through, natural disaster. There's things that happen that just seem to throw our life upside down. And looking at these categories, it's not to you know, separate anything out. It's all the adversity that we face in any of these categories is, is still very real. And we, we have to, to find a way to deal with it and to trust God through it. I just think of uh, a roller coaster Sometimes life can be like a roller coaster. I know uh, one time we took our family to Christmas Candy Lane at Hershey Park. Christmas time, they have a you know, different uh, setup there. They set up lights and uh, they open up some of the smaller rides. And we had our family there and going on some of these different rides. And, and the one, one ride I saw was a little bit bigger. 
it's one of the medium-sized rides, and uh, I uh, decided to try this one out. And my oldest daughter, Maya, was the only one that was tall enough to go with me, so we decided we're gonna go on this together. And got in the car, and it takes you up to the top, and and then it sends you off. And the one that kind of hurls you towards uh, a precipice, you think you're gonna go flying out, and then it just whips you around in a tight circle and sends you back the other way. And I was enjoying myself. I I enjoy stuff like that, and and. Uh, Maybe that says something about me, I don't know. But uh, I look over at Maya and thought she would be enjoying it as well, and, and she was not really enjoying herself. <laughs> and I said, aren't you enjoying it? She said, no, I want to get off. I don't like it. I'm never going to go on this one again. And I, I couldn't do anything to stop it. We were headed down through, and we were, we were off. And... Uh, whether she liked it or not, she was in for the ride. And I had to think about life. You know, sometimes life is like that. We get on this, this uh, path that we're on, and it just feels like it's throwing us around, tossing us, and we don't like it. And we want to get off. But yet, we can't do anything about it. We can't stop the ride. We can't just get off early we got to keep going, and it's during times like that that we might question God's goodness. Through the difficult times of life, we ask God questions, don't we? Maybe we get angry at God. Why? The why question. Why did this have to happen? Why me? And why now? And we find that our feelings are speaking loud and clear. And sometimes our feelings will direct us away from God. And we end up with maybe a, a bitter attitude. We think, how can a loving God let this happen to me? God must, must not be love. God isn't that loving. He's ignoring me. And I know it can be very difficult. And I hear stories that are just so tragic and heartbreaking. Things that, that people have to live through. And I can understand the questions. But in the midst of all that, when we feel like life is falling apart, we still have a reference point. And we have our instruments or, or compass to guide us and help us navigate. It's not something we look to our feelings to find the proper response, but to God's word. So what does God's word have to say? have uh, to guide us in, in our time of adversity. So I think at, at some time or other, we're all going to find ourselves here, whether it's big or small, things that we face, how are we gonna navigate? <coughs> so I believe that God's word is living. You look at Hebrews tw uh, 4 verse 12, it says the word of God is quick, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know, the, the word quick there doesn't mean really fast, but it means living. The word of God is living. And it always amazes me how God's word can speak to so many different people in so many different ways. People can read a verse that just jumps out at them. And it just happens to be right what they need for the situation that they're in. Something I might not have considered and it never stood out to me before, but 
but for that particular situation, it was just what they needed for encouragement and for comfort. So I can't give you a list of all the references that are going to guide us through adversity because it's, it's the, whole, the entire word of God is living and is able to, to guide us and to speak to us. And he speaks through all of his word, through all the stories that we read, examples of, of others, the admonitions that we read about, the encouragement and the promises, and depending on our situation, where we're at in life, the meaningful parts might vary. But in those times, don't forget God's word and the power that's there to help reorient ourselves. So more broadly, what, what does the Bible say in general about going through adversity and our response to it? How can we take practical steps to trust God? And I was thinking about this. There was a framework um, that, that I um, saw on how to understand our struggles and process our grief. There's, there's three points that came to my mind, and, and maybe you could frame it a little bit differently. I'm sure there's many different ways to think about it. There's many books that have been written on it. Uh, there's, there's a lot to say about this subject, but I have three points in, in thinking about going through adversity and weathering that, trusting God through that. The three points are learn, listen, and lean. I'll go through those uh, um, thinking about how we weather adversity and trust God through that. First of all, to learn. And I think another word that would go right along with that is perspective. Are we able to see the big picture? And can we see what's going to come from this? What I'm dealing with right now, what, what's, what's going to, how is this going to fit together? And obviously we can't see everything. We can't see all the angles of, of what's happening. I'm reminded of the quote that I saw from uh, Soren Kierkegaard. He said that life can only be understood backward, but it must be lived forward. And in other words, we, we might not understand the things that we're facing right now. And it just, we can't understand it. Why are we going through the things that we are? And we have to live life forward. In, not understanding totally why we're going through what we are. But it's when we look back, maybe in years gone by, as we look back and we reflect on that season of life that we were in, and we can say, you know what, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be here now, or I wouldn't be the same person. Sometimes we face a situation where we say, nothing good can come from this. There's nothing redeemable in, in the situation that I'm in. And maybe we're right. You know, there's, there are, I think there are situations like that. But what does James say? Let's turn to James chapter 1. He talks about our trials and our attitude through those. James chapter 1, I'll read verses 2 through 4. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. 
So what does he have to say about our trials, our adversity? And he's, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, it really means diverse or various temptations, and, and really what he's getting at is trials, hardships of life, the various hardships that we face, count it all joy. And we might look at that and say, that, that's, that's a little bit strong there. Jay, maybe back it off. These people are suffering. But think, let's think about what he's saying. In the midst of a situation where it looks like nothing is redeemable, there's nothing good from this, he says, just, just uh, take a look back and look at your character that's being developed. Verse 3, the trying of your faith works patience. There's something that's being developed. And he's saying, don't just look at the trial. Look at what's coming as a result, what's being developed and exercised. You know, for something to grow, it needs to be exercised. I had to think about the comparison with physical exercise. Sometimes we want to work out and exercise our bodies, develop muscles, uh, whatever that might look like. Um, going to the gym, it's exercising. We decide, you know, I'm going to exercise and develop my muscles. And uh, we use resistance and endurance to do that. Whether it's running for a long time or, or lifting weights, wrestling against those weights, we, we build our muscles through that. But if you think about exercising your character, it's not as easy. And we can't just decide some evening, you know, I'm going to exercise my patience. You know, what, what machine do you go to for that? You can't uh, just you know, decide to build your patience. You can't just pray and patience just drops right into your lap. Rather, it comes through the endurance of trials. And there's, there's resistance, um, difficult things in life. That is exercising our character. And I think this is what James is looking at. He's saying this is something worth rejoicing over, not the fact that we're facing hardships. You know, that's just uh, the means by which we get our exercise in. He says you're, you're getting your exercise in when you're going through trials, spiritual exercise. So he's asking us to change our perspective from the trial to how our character is being exercised. In the process of refining gold, we've heard this before, you have to put it in a furnace, you have to heat up the gold and melt it. It has to be melted and then it's only then in that melted state that you can separate out the impurities. It separates into different layers based on its density and all the gold is going to settle to the bottom and you can clear off the, the excess from the top. But it takes the furnace and it takes being melted to, to achieve that. And I think in the same way our trials and adversity that we face can have that effect as well if, if we allow it. So having the right perspective through adversity, what are we looking at? Look for the bigger picture. What can we learn from this? The second point is listen. What is God trying to say? Are we listening for his voice? And I think it goes along with the last point as well. 
If we want to learn, we have to listen and have that right perspective. So the words from James here apply as well. What are we focused on? What are we listening to through the adversity? There's a quote that I came across uh, several times. I heard it different times from C.S. Lewis. And he says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That's from his book, The Problem of Pain. Is that not true for us? When life is going good, it's easy to ignore God's voice because it's just a whisper. Things are going good, life is good, we can carry on, and we just don't uh, really think about you know, developing character and everything is fine, but when the, the hardships come, it's then that we look to God, almost blaming God. God, why is this happening? And it's almost like God is saying, I was trying to get your attention for so long. Are you ready to listen? Sometimes it takes adversity to wake us up and help us listen to the voice of God. I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 26. We think about what do we want during adversity? Uh, Isaiah 26 verses three and four says thou, speaking of God, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Is that not what we want in times of adversity? We're looking for peace. And here we see the promise of perfect peace. And we go to Philippians 4 as well, the peace that passes understanding, keeping our hearts and minds. So when we feel that roller coaster of life, we're looking for peace, but where's your mind? What does it say? It says, the perfect peace is for those whose mind is stayed on God. Where is your mind? What are you focused on? And what are you listening to? We need to remember to, to stay our minds and, and listen, trust in God. And I'd like to shift focus a little bit. Maybe we're not going through adversity at the moment, but we notice people around us who are. And we see that uh, they're going through a really hard time. Remember that this is a person that God is, you know, in the words of C.S. Lewis, God is shouting at in their pain. And those are the times that we have an opportunity to speak into their lives. I know when we lived in Cherry Creek, it's something I tried to think about and keep in mind. Who is going through trials? Because they're often more open to God's word. Look for the opportunities that you have. And people will, will respond differently. And some people become bitter and, and closed toward God. But usually people are more willing to listen. And I, also, I noticed after I got cancer, uh, it opened the door to a different type of conversation that I could have with people. Because before, I was just, you know, one of the Mennonites and 
people knew what, what we did and you know this, this is routine. And, but after I got cancer, it seemed like it opened the door to deeper conversations. And they realized in a way that I'm just like they are. And that bad things happen to the Mennonites too. And one story in particular, I remember it was a man named Joseph and he was a brother to next door neighbor uh, right across from us there. He was often there, and, and he was one that uh, you know, I would get into conversations with him sometimes when he was under the influence, he was drunk, and then he would want to talk about the Bible and about God, and he would just go round and round and concluded that those conversations when he's drunk is, is not getting anywhere, but I figured at least it's given me practice in uh, evangelizing. Um, so when he was sober, he didn't want to talk about the Bible at all. And uh, that was the kind of guy that he was. But after I got cancer, uh, you know, word is spreading around town that uh, a Mennonite pastor has cancer and I lost my hair. I, I'd started treatment out there and uh, lost my hair. It was very obvious, you know, what was going on. And uh, the one evening we went to a local rodeo for an evening with some people visiting and and uh, we spent the evening up there enjoying ourselves and and uh, Joseph was there as well I didn't see him I didn't talk to him there but it was a couple days later or whatever next time I talked to him he mentioned how yeah he was there he saw our family he said I saw your family at the rodeo and you were enjoying yourself and you were having a good time you know how how can that be and I was able to explain to him the peace that God can give through trials and you know I, I tried to communicate that at least and you know this is a gift from God and it was you know just a, a contrast from the way that many people in Cherry Creek would deal with their adversity a lot of times it was drinking. That's, that's the way that they dealt with things. Problems, just drink and then forget. And it's, it's just so sad to see the way that they dealt with things, just drown it out. And I say not to lift our family up at all. It's, it's only through God's grace that we can do that. And it's, it's a testimony as well. There's a way that we can glorify God like we learned about in, in our Sunday school lesson. So listen, adversity has a way of waking us up and making us think differently. Pay attention. So let's not forget to listen to the voice of God. As we see people around us facing adversity, let's be faithful in joining in God's work, being his hands and feet and, and ministering to the people around us in that place. The last point I'd like to think about is lean. In our times of adversity, we need to lean. Lean on God and lean on others, each other. Because there are times when we just can't do it on our own. It has a way of taking our feet out from under us sometimes. And in those seasons of life, and they are seasons, we need to know how to lean. So first of all, lean on God. God is a refuge, and I'm reminded of Psalm 46. I'll read just the first couple verses from Psalm 46. 
says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waves, the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. The picture of the world just falling apart, and we have a refuge that we can go to in God, a safe place. The song that we sing, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. I heard the one time the verse that song is based on is from Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. It says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. It's a picture of stability and strength that we, we can turn to when we need somewhere to lean. And we need that at, at times. There's the poem that was given, uh, Footprints in the Sand. You may have heard it before. This author is reflecting back on her life. I think the setting was a dream. And walking along a beach, there's two sets of footprints. And one was her own, and one was the footprints of God walking alongside her. And she could connect the scenes of her life with those footprints, where she was at in life when those footprints were made. And one thing really bothered her. She noticed that at the deepest, or darkest times in her life, there was only one set of footprints. And it really bothered her. And she asks God, you know, why is it that in the darkest times, the most difficult times of my life, did you leave me? I see only one set of footprints. And God replies and says, oh, dear child, I would never leave you. You see, those times, those difficult times when you only saw one set of footprints is when I carried you. And God did not forsake, but, but helped us, carried us through the difficult times. God gives grace for each day. He will not forsake us, but he'll carry us through somewhere we can lean. And we lean on God and also lean on each other. I think there's, there's value in that as well. In our Mennonite circles, we put emphasis on community. And that's a good thing. It's something so many people don't have in our world because we need each other. We're social beings. We're built for relationships and being part of a community where we're able to lean on each other is such a blessing. I'd like to read one more passage uh, to conclude this thought here. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Read several verses from, from this here. And uh, this is a passage I often went to for funerals in Cherry Creek. It's been called the comfort passage of the New Testament. So I'll read verses 3 to 11. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffered. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed 
out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. I just want to pull two things from this passage. I don't want to look at this too long, but first is the idea of seasons. And sometimes we are in need of comfort ourselves, and we see that in verses 3 and 4. The God of all comfort gives us comfort in our trials. And then later on in life, when we are out of the valley, but somebody else is, is struggling, we can offer that same comfort that we received. And it's just a, a beautiful picture of the church and the body of Christ uh, being able to lean on each other, helping when needed. And he mentions the trouble that he faced, verses 8, 9, and 10. Um, above strength, they were pressed out of measure. They despaired of life, and it was to the end that he just had to place his life in the hands of God. And he said, we're not trusting in ourselves, but in God. He was leaning on God. And the other takeaway is in verse 11, where he says, Ye also, helping together by prayer for us. Are we praying for each other? There's power in prayer, and let's not forget to pray for each other in the difficult seasons of life. And it's so important in times of adversity to lean on each other and to lean on God. So learn, listen, and lean. Are we able to do that in those times that we feel overwhelmed? And there's so much more that could be said. Uh, There's many other passages that we could have looked at. But when we find ourselves in that valley, facing adversity, our feelings are speaking to us, let's remember to to be faithful in trusting God's word as our guide and to allow ourselves to learn, listen, and lean. And may God give us the grace that we need to do that. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and the guide that it is to us. I pray that we could place our trust in you through the difficult seasons of life. When we don't understand, help us to turn to you, to lean on you, to listen, and to learn what you would have for us. I pray for your grace. So we go about the week ahead. Give us wisdom and guidance and help us to partner with you in ministering where needed And would you minister to us in our needs? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.